1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. A 2 nothing lead in the NBA final and looking like they were on their way to the first title they've ever had since they joined the NBA. You know, they've kind of gotten sidetracked these last three games by the Milwaukee Bucks and credit to the Bucks for everything they've done so far. But we want to take a look at it through a Phoenix lens. Here to lend that helping hand is the host of their pre- and post-game show on 98.7 Arizona Sports, John Bloom. John, Jody Mack here. How are you doing, bud? I am doing well, Jody Mack. Good to be with you. I am uh, a long time
0: uh, familiar uh, with your work through friends that are absolutely addicted to listening to you and have been for a long, (laughs) long time. It's good to finally be with you on the show.
1: My pleasure. No, thank you for coming on board. Um, How difficult was last night's postgame show?
0: pretty difficult uh but uh i am putting it uh through a lens that might be i guess a little different than than some of your listeners might be able to because i've been doing this show for 14 years so if you consider getting in when steve nash was running seven seconds or less and winning mvps (laughs) uh and having a chance to to see them make it to a conference finals back in the first few years of doing this then going a full decade without stepping foot in the postseason it gave me a a new appreciation for even having a chance to talk about playoff basketball as opposed to ping pong balls at this part of the year. Uh, And so uh, here we are uh, in the NBA finals. And yes, it's been a tough stretch. Three losses in a row hasn't happened for this team, but for one time this season, and that was back in January. So they went six months without losing three straight and now it happens in the nba finals but uh hope is not lost here in the valley there's still a lot of hope in this basketball team and there's still a lot of appreciation for what they've accomplished
1: i like your attitude and i believe in your uh, way of looking at things Here's the problem slash issue. Now I'm not a Suns guy. You're a Suns guy. Uh, but I became a Suns guy because I thought they were being woefully underrated when the playoffs started as the number two seed in the West. But yet they're well behind in wagering odds behind the Lakers, behind the Clippers, behind the Jazz, behind the Nets, behind the Sixers, behind the Bucks, And I'm going... They did finish second, in the, but it went down to the last day of the season. They could have had the number one seed, and they were yeah. 14 to one to win a championship. I said, they're too good a team to let something like this uh, be put out there. So I put a couple shackles on the Suns. So I kind of became a Suns fan immediately. And damn if they don't win the first two games and do so impressively slash handily, with the game not being close to being decided in the fourth quarter, be the first two games. I thought I was home. I, I I was right. The Suns were underrated. And all. Yeah. unfortunately, they've come back down to earth with these last three games against the Bucks. So that's why I'm not sure I completely buy your, hey, it's just great to be here. If, if you had no. said that to me at the start of the series, I would have believed you. When they won the first two games the way they did... I'm not sure you can go back and in 2020 hindsight go, oh yeah, but it's great that we're just here. Uh, I gotta believe your expectations, everybody else's expectations were so raised after the first two games. These last three games have been a pretty big letdown.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's still a big part of me that is the fan uh, that started cheering for this team when I was 13. It's a long story, but I grew up in the Bay Area in California. The Suns became my team as a teenager and and now, you know, flash forward 30 years later, and I've been working for them for a decade and a half, chasing my dream, uh, and now watching them chase their dreams of winning the first title for this franchise has been a thrill but at the same time like you said expectations determine everything in life and uh, the expectations before the season are clearly different than what they are currently when you take a 2 nothing series lead in the NBA Finals and you feel like you're on the doorstep of accomplishing that greatness and, and doing something that's never been done in this uh, you know, city for this basketball team that was the first major professional team to come to Phoenix, Arizona so everybody is wrapped up in this thing, and yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling devastated right now, and that's understandable. I get that as well as I also uh, prefer to live on the sunny side of the street with a little bit of optimism uh, <laughs> which is maybe uh, you know clouded with a little bit of realism right now because you know that the task is going to be extremely difficult to go to Milwaukee, beat those Bucks in that hostile environment at the Fizer Forum, and then come back and close the deal in Game 7 on Thursday night. I don't think it's out of the realm a possibility, Jody Mack. I still think they're the better basketball team, but they got to show it. They got to play focus through the whole game and not just come out and feel like they won it because they broke raced them in one quarter.
1: Right. I've heard some people analyze after last night's game uh, what went wrong, what the Suns could have done better, what was a miscalculation. And I've heard several people say that Devin Booker played a little too much hero ball. I know he took 33 shots. Out of the 33, I thought there were maybe two or three, three or four that were rushed or uh, too closely guarded, forced. He made 17 of 33, so he shot over 50%. So I don't agree with those who said that he tried to do too much and took it all upon his own shoulders. He is their go-to guy. He is their star player. I didn't have an issue with his game last night, did you?
0: No, and and the reason I didn't have an issue, uh, Jody, is the the lack of turnovers. Had he piled up the turnovers like he's had a few games of five, six turnovers, then there'd be a little bit more issue in that. But uh, you know, the costly turnover is the one that stands out, and I'm sure he's killing himself for it. Uh, You know, he blows past PJ Tucker with 30 seconds left to go. He's got that patented pull-up jumper. If he pulls up and takes that jumper, you know, he puts his team up one. Or maybe it's a miss, and now there's a scramble for a rebound. Instead, he decides to take a couple more dribbles, and now he's caught with Giannis in front of him. He turns, and there's Drew Holiday. Was, you know, that play that's haunting Suns fans right now, I guarantee it's haunting Devin Booker. And there's some people that may want to throw the whole hero thing at that. Look, when, when the Suns are playing basketball, it's not about isolation. It's, not it's about ball movement during the basketball. It's about defense. And that's why they've hung their hats on Devin Booker will be the first to tell you that all season long. He knows that's the important way uh, you know, for them to play, and that's how they're going to win. They have to get to, that to have any chance in Game 6.
1: We're talking to John Bloom, the host of the pre- and post-game show on 98.7 Arizona uh, Sports for the Suns, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. I, I, on that particular play that you're describing, and, yeah, it was a huge turning point in the game, I just give credit to, to Howard, a hell of a play, got his hand in yep. there. He's one of the best defensive players in the game. He made a hell of a play. Sometimes you got to tip your hat to the opposition, and I do in that uh, situation. Oh, by the way, Devin Booker played 42 out of 48 minutes. He was plus 12 when he was on the floor. So that meant six minutes he was off the floor. The Bucks were minus 18 since or 16 since they won by four, yep. and Booker was plus 12. So I can't believe some of the critique that he's gotten. I think it's... Ridiculous. Uh, Let me talk about your other guy that has stepped up huge for you. Uh, I said this when the playoffs started. Devin Booker is moving up uh, almost on a game-by-game basis on the uh, ladder of best players in the NBA. If he started this postseason run outside the top 20, maybe outside the top 30, oh, he's made his way into the top 20 with what he's accomplished. The other guy who's made unbelievable strides is DeAndre Ayton who, to me, starting this year, he was a disappointment as the number one overall draft. But we've seen his growth as the playoffs have gone on, and he is a big reason why they're in this NBA final. But it seems he's a little mismatched against Giannis. That's uh, not to say that anybody is a good matchup with Giannis. Giannis is a mismatch against almost everybody on the planet. But he's kind of come back down to earth as this emerging star in the NBA are, are the Suns not getting him enough help? Is there a way that you can defend and maybe slow Giannis down, not stop him, but slow him down uh, that uh, would help Aiton out in this very difficult one-on-one matchup?
0: Yeah, I, I think there is a way. It's, it's more big box to help to kind of build that wall like they used to the a lot easier than this.
1: All right. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, We're going to ask John to uh, see if he can call us back because I do have several more questions that I want to get for him. Uh, His line was breaking up. And if I can't hear him, that means you guys can't hear him. And I fear that we're going to get a pearl of wisdom from him and we're never going to hear it. That's what's going to happen. So uh, we're going to hang up on John. We're going to try and call him back quickly and see if we can get him back on. uh, Because I do want to talk about what it's going to be like going into that building in game number six. While I think it's a daunting task. Uh, Milwaukee's been very good at home here in the postseason. Um, Hey, the Suns have been just as phenomenal at home in the postseason. And Milwaukee went into their house and walked away with a victory last night. Uh, So uh, they just that's what they've got to hang their hat on. If they did it to us, we can turn around and do it to them. The first four games were quite simple. The home team won. The Suns won handily in the first two games. The Bucks won handily in game number three. Game four hung in the balance. Milwaukee got it done late. And that's why they walked away with the win. So now the Suns have to go to Milwaukee and get it done to extend this to a Game 7. John Bloom, uh, host of the pre- and post-game show on 98.7 Arizona Sports, back with us. Um, what is the key aspect? What do the Suns either have to do differently or better than they've done the last three games to go and get a win in Milwaukee, John?
0: I think From, from before I get to, to that answer, I think I need a Jody Mack, do me a favor and get me a better cell <laughs> service in my house. I don't understand. I've never had a breakup like that sitting on my couch in my house, but I apologize uh, for that. No, uh, don't even. You do know that, uh, that that was a popular segment back in the day,
1: though, Jody. Yes, it, it was. Thank you very much for reminding that. You now have officially stamped yourself as a <laughs> McMahon fan, and I, I, I thank now, you for that.
0: Game six. Here we go. And and let me just really quickly get back to something I was saying about DeAndre Aiden.
1: Yes, um, I think
0: that he has already, you know, come a long ways. But as you probably know, when you're the number one pick, first of all, you're set up to fail to begin with because the expectations are usually abnormally high for somebody that's usually a teenager and that was the case for him but not only was he a teenager he was a teenager who didn't start playing basketball really till his teenage years at 12 years old in the bahamas and then he comes over here and now here he goes and he's on this fast track and and everybody's telling him how great he is and uh you know then he gets to the league and realizes wow i'm good but there's grown men everywhere and then he gets humbled by a 25-game suspension, and now all of a sudden he is the most coachable athlete I've probably ever laid eyes on. I mean, it's unbelievable that he's taken everything he's taken, some tough love, lessons from guys like Devin Booker, and now obviously Chris Paul, and then Monty Williams and Mark Bryant, the big man coach, and he has come so far. Defensively, he's the anchor of this team. Offensively, he's been unbelievable. I mean, the, the records he's set with his efficiency in this playoffs is something I don't think anybody saw coming, and yet he's still 22. So the idea of him being a finished product, he's still a far ways from that if you look back at big men and and their progression uh, once they get into the league.
1: Good point on that. Uh, Game number six, the question I asked you was, uh, is there something that the Suns, in your eyes, at least in the last three games, haven't done that they usually do, that it's a part of their game that uh, they're good at. And for some reason, and we can attempt to explain those reasons, they haven't been as good at it, haven't gotten the job done or something that they're not always good at, and oh, by the way, we knew they'd need to be better at it, and they haven't been these last three games. What is the aspect? Maybe it's one individual player, one side of the ball or the other. What is the key element that the Suns have to have be different in game number six than has been in these last three losses?
0: I think that uh, the key for this particular basketball team is to do what made them so successful all season. And you mentioned this. They were neck and neck with the Utah Jazz of having the best record in the league. They only finished a game back of the Jazz, but they had the best record of the, on the road. They had the best record against winning basketball teams. They had a lot of marks that, that proved that they were the most efficient uh, and best basketball team really in this league so they need to get back to doing what made them that which is again intensity on defense that's what got them out to a 16-point lead in game five, even though it was the crowd and even though they put up 37, they also held Milwaukee to 21. That was the bigger marker in my eyes. But then they came out feeling themselves a little bit after that and let down intensity-wise. And once Milwaukee started hitting shots, they never turned back, and they hit it at a ridiculous 70-plus percent rate the rest of the way. Suns can't let that happen. Obviously, they have to stay intense on the defensive side. And then what that leads to for them is sharing the basketball offensively and getting everybody involved. You see so many games where they've got all five guys who start in double digits. They got a couple guys off the bench in double digits, like Campaign and Cameron Johnson. Those are the things that I have a healthy expectation we'll see in game six. The thing that a lot of people might point to is, well, the Suns need to get to the line more. But that's not anything that they've ever done all season long. They aren't a team that's going to go to the line a ton with volume. What they do do is they make it when they get there. They've been one of the best, if not the best, free-throw shooting teams the last couple of years in the league. So that's another advantage for them if they get there. But it's never been the focal point. I think it's about sharing the ball and defending. Those are the two pillars all season. If they come out and they stay focused with that, I like their chances of forcing a Game 7.
1: Checking after the fact, then you're watching the game, and you're paying attention to certain things, and then afterwards you can analyze the box score and go, all right, well, maybe I didn't see that. Maybe I didn't realize this at the time. The one thing that I would after the full five-game review of the box score that I did today was I'm a little surprised in Cam Johnson's minutes. He was a key guy for them this year. I remember when he was drafted, I thought he was a steal where the uh, Suns got him in the draft, and that's how you build a championship team. You get Devin Booker down in the draft where you got him, and he becomes that much better a player. You get Cam Johnson down in the draft, and he becomes a key contributor. He hasn't played as much and or contributed as much as I thought he was going to before this season started. Is there a reason for it? Is my critique on point that the coach hasn't found a a spot to use him and or a, a, a combination of guys on the floor that he'd be good with? Is it defensive matchups that they just don't think they've got a guy that they can put them against? I've been underwhelmed by Cam Johnson, and it has surprised me and somewhat disappointed me. What's the deal there?
0: I think that, uh, you know, you have uh, a couple points that I've heard before from from some of the fans, especially after games, where they want to see more from him. They want to see more minutes from him. Uh, But I think that the coaches are supremely confident in him. In fact, I've heard Monty Williams uh, respond to a question of who who embodies the culture and the style that you're trying to play the most on this team. And he's talked about Cam Johnson in that role. You know, remember, and, and I think you liked him and obviously got to know him because he played five years in college, starting at Pitt, yep. before he transferred to North Carolina and was in the spotlight as a Tar Heel, clearly. Uh, and then, you know, the, the thing that I think a lot of your listeners might remember most is the shock and awe of, of uh, his teammate. Uh, Kobe who who saw uh, him get selected when he was doing his press conference after being picked in the lottery and they told him hey Cam Johnson just got picked 11th and he lost it he couldn't believe that Cameron Johnson had been selected that high and a lot of people were questioning James Jones the general manager of the Suns for making that selection because uh, you know there's all the pundits that think they're right on the nails when they say who should be slotted where in these mock drafts and they all had him down in the 20s well here he comes as, as one of the older guys in the draft He's older than Devin Booker, who's playing in his sixth season, and he's in his second. I mean, that kind of puts things in perspective for you. Uh, But he plays like a veteran as well, and he's got a smooth stroke, and he actually is a much better defensive player than I think they ever anticipated, and a better athlete than expected as well because there was all this thoughts about his hips. He had had injuries to both hips while he was in college but you've know, you you've seen just a, a level of toughness from Cameron Johnson, a, a level of acceptance of his role which is obviously important to have put a successful team together. You've got to have great players but you've got to have players being willing to accept whatever role you give them. And so I think from a negativity standpoint it's really Jody only the, the wanting to see more from him uh, and yeah. maybe uh, have him have a bigger role in the rotation, which might be coming uh, sooner rather than later in the future for this basketball team.
1: By the way, I did like him better than Colby White in the draft that year, and I knew White was going to be drafted first because, right, the mock guys had Colby that high. I actually predicted that he'd be a better NBA player, but, again, uh, I don't want to tap myself on the back too much here uh, (laughs) without getting you to get me to its spot in game number seven. They have to go to Milwaukee and win. And then they return home. Game seven is what we all live for anyway because we want to see it be crunch time and come down to one game, live or die. Uh, You gave us some reason why that could happen, what the the, the Suns have to do to be able to make that happen. Mental attitude. We know Chris Paul came in and changed the attitude of this team this year. We know Devin Booker has become the star. It's those two guys. One of those two guys – has to be not only the performer on the floor, but also the guy to get the guys psyched, ready, pumped up, uh, on the right mental uh, track for the game. Is it more so Chris Paul, because he is the veteran guy and he's been there, done that? Or is it more Devin Booker, because let's be honest, he's the star of the team. As good as Chris Paul is, Devin Booker is the star. Who's going to be the guy who's going to rally this group together if they're going to go into Milwaukee and win?
0: question and i'm going to say it's both but it's in different ways it's chris paul from the vocal standpoint because that dude just doesn't stop talking i mean if you've ever watched even when he's on the sidelines he's just running his mouth constantly and his teammates have talked a lot about that but they've also been the perfect mix he's got the right group around him that wants to pay attention and listen and knows uh you know what he brings to the table and how valuable it is so it's chris paul from the vocal standpoint and it's book from putting it down on the floor. It's Devin Booker going out there and making plays, both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. He's the guy that's that juggernaut that they kind of everything else feeds off of. Uh, and he also makes plays for all his teammates, too. I know you've realized that ability, you know, otherwise you probably wouldn't be calling him a star because you're not just a star when you're, when you're a one-trick pony. You've got to be able to do multiple things, and I think people are starting to realize that D-Book does that. And uh, it's, it's a really exciting thing for Suns fans because, you know, like you said, he was he was a draft pick. He was a guy that we got to see come in. Wasn't even a starter on his college team because it was an all-star team with Coach Cal in Kentucky his one year there. And then he comes here and, and, and quickly – Uh, establishes himself as the face of this franchise, obviously a young franchise and and a franchise that uh, was full of young players, I should say. Uh, But then to go and help construct this team, which he did with his relationship with Chris Paul Convincing CP3 to come here and take them to this level was something that, uh, you know, I don't think anybody on Planet Orange really saw coming at this point, and everybody is just loving every second. But uh, now they've got to bounce back. they got to force that Game 7 so we can all be in the middle of the sports universe, right? And uh, like you said, everybody lives for Game Sevens. If you've heard this gem, which we're now calling Footprint Center, uh, if you've heard it through the playoffs, I can't even imagine what it would be like in a Game 7 situation yeah. in the NBA Finals.
1: Yeah, one quickie aside. How, how, when, where, why did they change the name of the arena before last night's game? <laughs> that's, called, that's called leverage, man. If you're going to do a deal
0: to sell the naming rights, waiting to have your team be in front of the world in the NBA Finals is not bad timing from my standpoint. So, yeah, they just... They've been working on this deal actually all season long. Uh, it's been we've been referring to it as Phoenix Suns Arena. Once the uh, last contract ran out, so the question was always who's going to have the naming rights of this thing and when it, when is it going to come down? And it's a super exciting announcement they made this week with a startup company from here in the Valley called Footprint, uh, and their main objective is to get rid of single-use plastics and make uh, the world. Uh, uh, a better place basically from an environmentally friendly standpoint and a sustainable standpoint for arenas and, and places all over uh you know this country and the world that are serving big audiences uh and and so i think it's a it's a great thing that that they're the partner it's a great thing that they've you know got a unique name to this thing uh, i'm sure there'll be some nicknames that come out of it as well down the road but right now hopefully it'll be the home of the next nba champions
1: now, there's a pre- and post-game show host for you. To turn an innocuous question by a national uh, guy who gets him on as a guest into a sales pitch is unbelievable. <laughs> to be able to do that on the fly, the guy's a flat-out talent. John, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Um, don't know who indoctrinated you into do me a favor, but I will tell them thanks uh, when I see them next. Thanks for coming <laughs> on with me tonight, buddy. I appreciate it.
0: You bet. Thanks for having me, Jody Mack.